May peace be with you. If you stick around at the end, there's more information about our community and how to find us. And now, here's this week's Centering Scripture, followed by the sermon. Our scripture this morning is from Deuteronomy, the 30th chapter, verses 15 and 16. See, I have set before you today life and prosperity and death and adversity. In that, I command you today to love your God, to walk in God's ways, and to keep the commandments, the laws, and the customs that you may live and multiply, and that God may bless you in the land where you are entering to possess it. And from 2 Corinthians, 4th chapter, verses 6 through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart, but though our outer self is decaying, yet our inner self is being renewed day by day. For momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Thank you, Dale. So, I'll start off today with a confession. Dun, dun, dun. I've never been much of one for poetry. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't have anything against it. But I've just never been one to seek it out or find much personal connection to it. So, a few months ago, when Brennan brought an idea to the worship team to have a summer sermon series about the poems of power of our community, naturally, I said, sure, yeah, sounds great. <laughs> See, I've always tended to be drawn to more, as I consider, in direct modes of writing. And like today's scripture from Deuteronomy, our command to love God, walk in God's ways, and keep the holy commandments for God's people. And before I get too far into it today, just a brief word of context. That scripture talks about following God's commands, resulting in receiving God's blessing to possess the land entered. Now, the Israelites, hearing this originally, would be reassured that they would have a home. They would have stability, comfort in a trying time of isolation. But to our ears, it could sound like the justification of a colonizer. Indeed, many have used this text in exactly that way. If we were to put our powerful nation in as the protagonist of that story. If we usurp the Israelites' role as protagonist, we abandon the idea of a politically weak and small-numbered tribe struggling to survive. We replace that with the greatest military might the world has ever seen. 
And by doing so, justify moving into an area with God's blessing to take it. So hang with me for just one more minute here. I'm going to put on my Bible scholar hat because we got a problematic text, y'all. Yes, even those seemingly straightforward texts are more complicated than they seem. Because taking land from a native people is not following the command of God for how we should live our lives. To love thy neighbor, Matthew 22, 39. So this passage is not justifying what colonizers have done for hundreds of years in this country or others. I read it as reassuring the blessing of God for those who follow God's commands for how to live. The colonizer does not follow those commands, so how could the colonizer receive such a blessing? The text today is a specific reassurance to the Israelites, and we can imagine other reassurances for our own lives, which are very different than the ancient Israelites. Can I get an amen? Are we different than the ancient Israelites? A little bit? Thank you. There's an amen. So if we, if we but follow those eternal commands for how to live, um, then we can find those reassurances, which we see summarized in the book of Micah 6.8. Do justice, love kindness, walk humbly. We heard those words not too long ago here. And honestly, I think... Oh, we do need some reassuring to live that way. I know I do. I don't find it easy to do justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with God. Not in this economy. We want to protect what is ours. Hold away ourselves and our treasured behind locked doors. There are so many, it seems, they want to take away what gives us peace. I see this call from God to live in a different way. Lift it up uh, anew through the words of Rumi in our opening liturgy. That our lives should be a guest house where we welcome the whole spectrum of experience in. Welcome the whole spectrum with good humor. Humbly not taking ourselves too seriously to refuse a guest. Yet caring for all the world will send our way. We know what it's like to live. And for me, it's comforting to have that direct guidance for the journey. Well, sort of direct, right? I just spent a page talking about it. Is it really direct? I don't know. It took a bit of study to get there, if I'm being honest. So more so, honestly, than one poem that was submitted to our series... It was a shorter one by Jane Kenyon called In the Nursing Home. Sure, it has nuance, but it's also so much more plain and direct than that scripture I just read. It does not look at the living of life in the same way as the Rumi poem, which opened our service. or to the limitless productivity and growth idolized by our culture. Instead, it looks at the end of life. And I'd like to share it with you now. She is like a horse 
grazing a hill pasture that someone makes smaller by coming every night to pull the fences in and in. She has stopped running wide loops, stopped even the tight circles. She drops her head to feed. Grass is dust and the creek beds dry. Master, come with your light halter. Come and bring her in. Sitting with those words, my mind imagined the life of that horse before the circles grew smaller, when she rode free and adventured far and wide, playing and drinking from the flowing creek bed, taking in all that life had to offer, feeling the wind in her hair, maybe having children, maybe not. How ironic. I claim to like simple and straightforward, but cannot sit with the simplicity of this poem's moment. Why was my mind drawn past the words, needing to fill the elegant grace of a peaceful end to a beautiful life with excitement, activity, what was? It's easy to blame our culture today for indoctrination, as capitalism certainly does not revere such a time in one's life. Right? Kenyon's poem about the old horse allows her to age with grace and dignity on her terms. And it reminds me, it reminded me of our other scripture for today from Corinthians. Therefore, we do not lose heart. But though our outer self is decaying, yet our inner self is being renewed day by day. We look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not are eternal. We do not see the lives touched and made brighter in her youth. We do not see the impact that she made on the world. We see only a horse who rides in smaller loops as other colts are picking up the work, presumably. She is slowing down, being welcomed home. There is great beauty in the winding down. Acceptance that ours is not to live eternally and save the world through some labor of our own. The beauty is in acceptance of our liminal state. Trust. Trust in others to ride those large loops that still need to be ridden. There is beauty in that trust. If we look, we may only see the winding down now, but miss the inspiration that she gave to younger cults. Never consider the awe on the face of the child as they were lifted onto her back for the first time back in her physical prime. 
long before she began to consider being brought in. So let us consider today and the races to be run, the errands that need doing, the loads that need bearing. But let us, in our consideration of today, not forget to share the stories of yesteryear. Share the lessons learned, the trials and how they were overcame, the joys and how we celebrated them. May we sit in that peace, recognizing what was and what is. As long as we find ourselves living here, as we near our end, our poet and scripture agree. The time is meant to be a time to release the binds that we put upon ourselves to achieve, as though achievement was necessary for us to have worth. The outer self will decay, yet our inner self being renewed day by day until our master calls us home. Our master, who in the words of Kenyon's poem, comes to us when we have slowed, no effort needed on our part, comes to us with love, not for what we are seen doing at that time, but with care for the eternal unseen and overlooked of our lives for the efforts we made to be a fraction of the holy potential within us. Living with generosity and care, justice and humility, knowing they are imperfect arts. Beloved, those efforts are not in vain, even when they are overlooked. Yet the efforts did not make us worthy either, much as we welcome all into the life of our guest house. So too, God welcomes all of us beyond when it's time to move out into the infinite unknowable, the instantaneous transition to so much more or perhaps less. And therein lies the gift. The busyness is gone. The expectation is gone. The demands are gone. The needs are gone. And all that remains is the eternal love and peace. May we all know such a blessing when our circles are no longer wide and we are called in. Amen. As a church located on Lakota land in Minnetonka, Minnesota, St. Luke is a joyful, inclusive, intergenerational, and compassionate community on a spiritual journey 
seeking to do justice, make peace, and to walk humbly with God. We invite you to join us live for virtual worship each Sunday morning on Facebook or YouTube, or by following the worship links on our website, stluke.mn. Thanks for listening. May you go in peace.